here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. There's so much to discuss tonight. It's hard to know where to start. I told you what Biden would say during his state of confusion speech, and he said it because he's a liar. In a week or two from now, nobody's going to remember what he said except for some of his lies. But he hopes to run for re-election on lies, like he does all the time. And I want to dig into this very, very strongly, this stuff about Social Security and Medicare, because the only party to actually cut Medicare has been the Democrat Party, where they took over $700 billion out of Medicare for Obamacare, and I told you about that. So we want to get into this. I thought Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave, as I said on Levin TV uh, earlier today, the finest reply that I'd ever heard or seen by anybody. It was outstanding. There's also some testimony on Twitter, so forth. But I want to address something else. And uh, for some of you, this might be difficult. I am not somebody who does something to be provocative, to get hits, to get ratings, whatever it is. I'm too old for that. I've been doing this for too long. And those of you who listen, take the time out of your day, and I'm greatly honored and blessed to listen to this program. You know that, too. So while I post things on Twitter and the other social sites, I try to avoid the comments because social media is a very poisonous environment. People pop off and they can say whatever they want without consequence. And that's fine by me. But I'm also free to avoid it. Now, there are certain groups in this country who are immune from criticism as groups. But there are certain groups in this country that are not. That are abused with language. Evangelical Christians are trashed all the time. Faithful, practicing Catholics are trashed all the time. Faithful practicing Jews are trashed 
all the time. And it's because we've moved into this radical left mindset, this Marxist mindset, where people of faith, people of faith, are an obstacle to the grand scheme. Just like the Constitution's an obstacle, or the Declaration of Independence is an obstacle. That's why when we talk about natural rights and natural law, this has a meaning. That's what the country was founded on. The country was founded on Judeo-Christian morals and values, period. But what are Judeo-Christian morals and values? So we have some people in the culture, some of them are comedians, some of them are podcasters, all walks of life, who think they're pretty cool, think they're pretty smart. They reject evangelical Christians, they reject faithful practicing Catholics, they reject faithful practicing Jews. That's okay. But I just can't let something pass. I've posted on it a few times. Regardless of what criticism I will take. As you know, I'm a big MMA fan and I watch UFC all the time. I really enjoy it. I can't tell you why, I just do. And the commentators are great at what they do. I remember Joe Rogan, when he would be doing some shows on TV, you know, can you do this, can you do that? And then he's a color commentator, in effect, for the UFC. I hold no animus toward the man, even today. He's the biggest podcaster in the nation. Fine, I think that's great. And he makes $20 million a year. I think that's great. Should do whatever he wants. Obviously, he doesn't embrace much of the Judeo-Christian moral or value system, in my view. But that's my view. People want to hear what he has to say? Listen, enjoy, record it, play it over and over again. I don't care. But when you lower yourself to say truly stupid things about an entire group of people, an entire group of people, like everybody's the same, whether they're Jews or Christians or whatever, and you repeat the kind of thinking and language that's gone on for thousands of years that has resulted in pogroms and genocides and so forth and so on, you need to be confronted. I don't mean physically confronted, but you need to be confronted. He would never say the sort of thing he said about Muslims or blacks, and he shouldn't. Bigotry is bigotry. Things that are said about evangelical Christians and Catholics. It's terrible. Bigotry is bigotry. 
Now, most of you listening are not Jews. You're Gentiles, and many of you are righteous in so many ways. And I, I advocate for the individual. I advocate for this country. Because nowhere else on the face of the earth, and nowhere else in the history of mankind can somebody like me be as free as I am. And the same goes for other people practicing their faith. The same goes for people who've come here from Italy or Ireland or Germany or, or Africa, wherever. But there are still forces and mindsets of totalitarianism and evil that need to be confronted. That's what free speech is all about. Free speech isn't just that people can say stupid things. It's that people can react to stupid things and confront it, regardless of how big your podcast is, how big your reach is. Now, you and I and we, we detest the idea that we judge people on the color of their skin. But should we make generalizations about people based on their faith? Is that any better? No, it's not any better. That flies in the face of the entire American experiment. But this is what totalitarian regimes do. And this is what advocates of totalitarianism do. Whether people think they are or not. They say things about groups of people, millions and millions of people. They paint with a broad brush. And we reject this. Whether the government does it to hand out favors or take away uh, opportunities or so forth, or whether the college boards do it or, or testing uh, services do it. And so, no, you judge a human being as a human being. You're a human being. The Declaration of Independence, you have God-given rights. Not because of your faith, not because of your skin color, not because of any of that, but because you're God's children. Now, Joe Rogan said something on his podcast. It's really not the first time. But people seem very reticent or afraid to raise it. I don't know the man. Never listened to his podcast. Maybe once. When we played some clips. The only way I know him is what I told you from TV and from the UFC. I don't consider him a great thinker, a great philosopher, anything of that sort. Doesn't really matter, does it? But if he's going to say things that are absolutely bigoted, that are no better than common day anti-Semites, somebody's got to call him out. Somebody has to alert millions and millions of people to it. Consider your own faith. Consider your own ethnicity. Consider your own background. 
almost everybody of every faith and everybody of every background knows what I'm talking about. It's not that I'm sensitive or thin-skinned, quite the contrary. Things are said about me and written about me that I blow off. But this is different. This is different. When you have the biggest podcaster in America, and you have people making excuses and defending it. And other people in this business or in the television business who know what he said and are just pretending he didn't say it. People who in the past have quoted him, who've played recordings of him, who've defended him and his decisions on vaccines or whatever. Great. I don't care. Wonderful. But here's what happened. The Republicans were voting to remove Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. And Joe Rogan says, really? What's the problem here? His own words, cut 10, go. Did you see him sit, sitting next to Ilian Omar where she's uh, she's apologizing for talking about it's all about the Benjamins? Yeah. Which is just about money. She's, she's right. talking she about money. She shouldn't have apologized. That I mean, was I'll not, go ahead That's and not an anti-Semitic it. statement. I don't think that is. It's about Benjamins or money. You know, the, the idea that Jewish people are not into money is ridiculous. Listen. That's like saying uh, Italians aren't into pizza. It's f- I mean, stupid. Listen. It's f- stupid. I understand that the way she phrased it, like she could have phrased it a different way so that people would have less of a freak out. But can you not talk about the influence of money in D.C.? Of course. When, I mean, this is very obvious. There's a very obvious reason why for my entire life, there's been a uniparty consensus around our policy vis-a-vis the Israeli government and a total inability or unwillingness to criticize the Israeli government. It has everything to do with organization and, yes, money, yes. just like okay. every other. So there's, so there's two things here. Rogan wasn't talking about the Israeli government. He's talking about Jewish people. The idea that Jewish people aren't into money is ridiculous. Now, I suppose you can say everybody's into money, but he didn't say that. He says it's like Italians. It's like saying Italians aren't into pizza. It's effing stupid. That's effing stupid. So he's focused like a laser. Not on Israel. I'll get to that in a second. But on Jews. Jews are into money. They're the money changers. You see? They're all the Rothschilds. Kristallnacht. One of the things that led to Kristallnacht was the, the Jews and their businesses, they're ripping you off. And they had cartoons of Jews with big hooked noses and funny clothing and cash in their hands. The Jews with the money. And Goebbels ran with that. Until he killed himself. Malcolm X ran with that. Radical left-wing Marxists have run with this. Klansmen, neo-Nazis have run with this. The Jews. They control the money. 
The Jews, they control the media. The Jews, they control the banks. Unfortunately, I have to take a break, but I'm not done. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you folks followed the crazy spending and debt created by Congress? This omnibus bill, massive new debt, debt like we've never seen before, money being drained out of the private sector, interest rates going up. Let me tell you something, folks. The debt causes massive effects on your savings, especially on your pensions. It affects IRAs and 401ks. It's a worry. And just one reason Americans get gold IRAs to diversify and protect their retirement. Augusta Precious Metals can help you. They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you saved $100,000 or more, sign up for their free one-on-one web conference for perspective on the economy and on opening a gold IRA. Tell them I sent you. They'll cover your fees up to 10 years. Call Augusta Precious Metals. Here's the number, 877, the number 4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. Jews with money, Italians with pizza. Isn't it interesting? The stereotypes, you know, there's stereotypes, racist, bigoted stereotypes about blacks, what they eat. Notice he didn't mention that. Why? Why did he do that? There are stereotypes for every ethnic group and every religious group. And when you serve in a position where you reach millions and millions of people... If you want to have an intelligent discussion, or even a semi-intelligent discussion, you avoid the stereotypes. Particularly since, throughout history, so many of these stereotypes have had consequences. But he didn't mention the stereotypes for others. He mentioned it for Jews and for Italians. And the stereotype he used for Jews has been used by the most vile, Jew-hating people the world has ever known. That's my problem. I'll be right back. Have you folks followed the crazy spending and debt created by Congress? This omnibus bill, massive new debt, debt like we've never seen before, money being drained out of the private sector, interest rates going up. Let me tell you something, folks. The debt causes massive effects on your savings, especially on your pensions. It affects IRAs and 401ks. It's a worry. And just one reason Americans get gold IRAs to diversify and protect their retirement. Augusta Precious Metals can help you. They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you saved $100,000 or more, sign up for their free one-on-one web conference for perspective on the economy and on opening a gold IRA. Tell them I sent you. They'll cover your fees up to 10 years. Call Augusta Precious Metals. Here's the number. 877, the number 4, Gold IRA. That's 877-4, Gold IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Let me be clear, and we're going to move on. I am not urging any action against Mr. Rogan. None. 
biggest podcaster in America. But that doesn't change anything. I don't want them to be silenced. I want them to be exposed. I don't want them to be punished. But if you're going to use the same vicious, bigoted propaganda that come out of the mouths of the most heinous individuals to walk the face of the earth, then I don't think you get a pass. I'm just a little radio host with the second biggest audience in the country. Just a little radio host. That's all. I don't think Rogan's some great scholar, philosopher. More than happy to cut people breaks. I'm not ultra-sensitive to things. This is different. This is different. This is one of the most hateful stereotypes. It's Louis Farrakhan stuff. Now, Crystal Ball is a failed Democrat candidate for the House of Representatives. She's a failed commentator on one left-wing site after another, with one left-wing media site after another. She's been a commentator in the past, and of course, she changed the subject. She focused on Israel. Because if you attack Israel, I'm not talking about disagree with their policies. If you attack Israel, and you say Israel basically has bought Washington with money, that Jews have bought control of Washington with money. Well, how come the Arabs haven't bought control of Washington with money? They spend a hell of a lot more. How come she doesn't talk about them this way? I'll tell you why. Because today, at this time, in our history, as I said before, there's certain groups that you can smear, that you can promote, burp up the stereotypes, and certain groups you cannot. Crystal Ball is not going to talk about that group the way she talks about Israel and Jews. Joe Rogan is not going to talk about what, let's say, black people stereotypically eat, but he's happy to talk about what Italians eat. And of course, he's more than happy to tell you about Jews and money. What kind of a podcast is this? I don't know. Maybe it's the greatest podcast on the face of the earth. I don't know. People love it. That's great. People love him. Terrific. But at least know who he is. At least know who he sounds like. At least when it comes to this. The hard left in this country... has been undermining the unity of this country, a very diverse country, has been attacking Judeo-Christian morals and values, the founding of the country. Tomorrow they'll target Catholics. Yesterday they targeted evangelical Christians. Today they target Jews. And this stuff about money pretty ironic when Joe Rogan I think makes 20 million a year over 10 years doesn't he Mr. Producer or 5 years something like that all 
everybody wants money. That's the everybody wants money. Then why would you focus on the Jews and laugh? Why would Omar focus on the Jews and laugh? Omar has repeatedly said bigoted things. Why would you defend her? Why? She's just talking about money, he says. Talking about money. That's not an anti-Semitic comment. I don't think that it is. Benjamins are money. The idea that Jewish people aren't into money is ridiculous. It's like saying Italians aren't into pizza. That's effing stupid. That's effing stupid. Are there successful Jews? Yes. Are there a lot of successful Jews? Yes. Are there successful Asians? Yes. Are there a lot of successful Asians? Yes. But that's individuals. It has nothing to do with stereotypes. It's like anti-white racism. You're not allowed to point it out. And yet it is ubiquitous now. It's everywhere. It was preached at the State of the Union last night. It's preached to our kids in the classrooms. It's preached at colleges and universities. It's preached in, in the media. It is disgusting. It is disgusting. Just like anti-black racism is disgusting. But if you want to make comments like Louis Farrakhan does, like a Joy Reid does on MSNBC, like a Kanye West does, and so forth and so on, then you need to take responsibility for those comments. You need to take responsibility for them. That's all. And that is not to get fired, not to get silenced. Go ahead and exercise your First Amendment right. After all, the First Amendment is part of the Constitution, and the country was founded on judeo-christian morals and values no I don't like discussing this no I don't want to discuss it it does me no good to put a target on my back but I'll be damned if I'm going to cower in the corner too I'll be damned if I cower in the corner. And you folks know. I don't like bullies. I don't like big police state government. I don't like people who are mistreated regardless of their background or their race. Regardless of their faith. Period. I don't like it. I don't like the stereotypes. I don't like the bigotry. I don't like the racism which is what the Democrat Party has become, which is what the American Marxists promote. And when other people participate in it, and they have such a significant influence, well, don't be scared. Don't fear them. Speak up while you still can. Speak out while you still can. It's okay. Those of you who know me and have listened to this program for 20 years, maybe less, 
I don't do this because I'm ultra sensitive. I swear I'm not. I'm not. I know what goes on out there. I deal with it. The threats that I've received on my life have been from Klansmen and neo-Nazis, believe it or not. I've told you this before. But this ideology, I can say whatever I want, free speech. Yes, you can. And we can say whatever we want back. Those of you who understand what I'm saying, understand that it could be you next, it could be your faith, it could be your skin color, and it often is. But think of the stupidity of the statement. The idea that Jewish people aren't into money is ridiculous, quote-unquote. Every Jew? All Jews are into money? Every single one? And what does that mean? That they're capitalists? But you didn't say that. You didn't say they're capitalists. Like everybody else in America should be, right? That's not what you said. They're into money, like Italians are into pizza. They're money hungry. What else could possibly mean when you're comparing it to pizza and Italians? I've listened to this three or four times to make sure I got it right. I got it right. Not trying to punch up, or in my, my view, punch down. Not trying to do anything, except condemn this. If you don't condemn it, then it becomes naturalized. People are no, no longer concerned about it. You become immune to it. When cultural, iconic figures talk this way. All right, I'm done. And when we come back, we'll jump into some other issues. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you folks followed the crazy spending and debt created by Congress? This omnibus bill, massive new debt, debt like we've never seen before, money being drained out of the private sector, interest rates going up. Let me tell you something, folks. The debt causes massive effects on your savings, especially on your pensions. It affects IRAs and 401ks. It's a worry. And just one reason Americans get gold IRAs to diversify and protect their retirement. Augusta Precious Metals can help you. They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you saved $100,000 or more, sign up for their free one-on-one web conference for perspective on the economy and on opening a gold IRA. Tell them I sent you. They'll cover your fees up to 10 years. Call Augusta Precious Metals. Here's the number. 877, the number 4, gold IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. Joe Biden is a disgrace. He's a liar, a pathological liar. He has nothing else. He will do anything for power. We've gone through this. 
And I told you he would lie about Social Security and Medicare, and I told you everything else he would do. But he lied even beyond that. And here, in part, is what he said. He was booed by the Republicans, and of course, legal analysts and media analysts were very upset that the Republicans spoke out. Why? They praised Nancy Pelosi for ripping up a State of the Union copy of that speech when Trump gave that speech, but even more. If you're going to stand there and flat-out lie to the American people in a heinous way, with tens of millions of people watching, the Republicans did what the Republicans had to do. And I congratulate them. Here it is. Cut 13. Go. So my many of some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it. Unless I agree to their economic plans. Now, that's not true. They're trying to cut spending. Because the country is going to default one day in a way that is. Irretrievably disastrous. Go ahead. Know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you, anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I'm, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Look, folks. The idea is that we're not going to be we're, we're not going to be moved into being threatened to default on the debt if we don't respond. So today he's out there doing it again because he doesn't have anybody to boo him or confront him or challenge him. What they're talking about is Rick Scott put out a proposal which had a whole list of things, uh, including Social Security and Medicare reform. And so he talks about sunsetting these laws and so forth and so on, but he wasn't talking about Social Security, Medicare, so they wrap those into it. And they twist it and turn it and they lie. In fact, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, said even prior to this speech, no, we're not going to do this. You can hear the Republicans. You can even hear Biden himself. I'm not saying most. I'm not even saying, um, you know, a significant number of you. Then why say it? Because his speechwriters put it in there to try and lie to the American people. These programs one day need to be reformed. And that doesn't mean slashing them. Maybe it means changing the age and so forth and grandfathering in everybody who's eligible over the next five or ten years so nobody's really affected in any significant way. I don't know. We've talked about it before been talked about by Paul Ryan, it's been talked about by Reagan, but it's the Democrats who keep taking money out of Medicare. They took it out of Medicare for Obamacare, over $700 billion. They took another $300 billion out this time, as I, as I mentioned to you, as our sponsor men- mentions with the AARP and so forth. It's not Republicans. 
New York Post did a good job tracking this. Claims some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset truth. The biggest lie of the night. No one has proposed this. And that includes Rick Scott, by the way. He has not. Republicans want the promise of left spending tied to the debt ceiling. They have not said Medicare and Social Security will sunset. Claim we have created a record 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years than any president has ever created in four. Truth. No jobs were created. After the vaccine was developed and COVID lockdowns lifted, businesses sprang back and rehired many who were laid off. Biden had nothing to do with it. Claim inflation has been a global problem because of the pandemic that disrupted supply chains and Putin's war that disrupted energy and food supplies. Truth. Yes, but it was particularly bad here because of massive spending by the government. Claim. Because no billionaire should pay a lower rate than a school teacher or firefighter. Truth. The White House claimed in a fact sheet that in a typical year, billionaires pay an average tax rate of just 8%. To get to that number, look how they lie. The White House includes unsold stock owned by 400 wealthiest families as income. If it's unsold, it's not income. They would pay taxes on it if they sold it. Independent tax analysis show the wealthiest pay 22 to 25 percent a year in income taxes, not lower than a school teacher or firefighter who pay much less. The rich paid a whopping 42.3 percent of all federal income taxes last year. Claim in the last two years, my administration cut the deficit by more than 1.7 trillion, the largest deficit reduction in American history. Truth. That's only because the deficit dropped when temporary COVID stimulus spending lapsed. The national debt today is $31.43 trillion. He grew the deficit by more than $3.6 trillion in less than two years. I've got more. And even the Washington Post fact checker has essentially said the same thing about this speech. I'll be back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. He's mentioned fentanyl for the first time. Cut 20, Mr. Producer, go. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. You got it. So let's launch a major surge to stop fentanyl production and the sale and trafficking with more drug detection machines, inspection cargo, stop pills and powder at the border. He acts like he's never been in government. He acts like he's an outsider. He's been in government forever. He's been a senator forever. He's been 
vice president eight years, he's president of the United States, so let's uh, inspect car. Well, then do it. But as we know, he's Mr. Open Border. Cut 19, Mr. Producer, go. We now have a record number of personnel working to secure the border, arresting 8,000 human smugglers, seizing over 23,000 pounds of fentanyl in just the last several months. We've launched a new border plan last month. Unlawful migration from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela has come down 97% as a consequence of that. But American border problems won't be fixed until Congress acts. If we don't pass my comprehensive immigration reform, let at least pass my plan to provide the equipment and officers to secure the border. And a pathway to citizenship for dreamers. Those on temporary status, farm workers, essential workers, here in the people's house, it's our duty to protect all the people's rights and freedoms. Congress must restore the right and the... Little rowdy. Little rowdy, Mr. Producer. Now, we need oil for another decade, ladies and gentlemen, just another decade to get us through all this mess, you know. And so we expect big oil to invest their money, hundreds of billions of dollars, in new refining factories and equipment, in new drilling, which is amazing considering he has most of the United States off limits, just for 10 years. That's all. How Ignorant is this. How ignorant is this? Cut 15, go. Have you noticed Big Oil just reported its profits, record profits? Last year they made $200 billion in the midst of a global energy crisis. I think it's outrageous. Why? They invested too little of that profit to increase domestic production. And when I talk to a couple of them, they say, we're afraid you're going to shut down all the oil wells and all the uh, oil refineries anyway, so why should we invest in them? I said, we're going to need oil for at least another decade. And that's going to exceed. (laughs) And beyond that, we're going to need it. Production. If they had, in fact, invested in the production. They're laughing at him because he's so pathetic. This is a guy that hasn't spent a second of his life in the private sector, let alone in oil. And that they all know how, how to run everything. Have you noticed that? Talks about how he's cut the deficit. Let's go on with this New York Post. Biden claimed the Inflation Reduction Act is also the most significant investment ever to tackle the climate crisis. Lowering utility bills. Truth. Con Edison in New York alone says gas bills will be up 20% this year. Renewables have not been able to keep up with demand and regulations have only driven up the cost of fossil fuels. Claim they invested too little of that profit, you heard them, to increase domestic production and keep gas prices down. Truth. Takes a lot of chutzpah for Biden to claim oil companies haven't drilled enough. He canceled pipelines, would not sign new drilling licenses, and made no secret of the fact that he wanted to drive oil companies out of business. They didn't drill enough? Claim, we pay more for prescription drugs than any major nation on earth. Truth. 
We also have the most innovation of any nation with access to the latest treatments first. Claim under my plan, nobody earning less than $400,000 a year will pay an additional penny in taxes. Not one penny. Truth. With the increase in the number of IRS agents, they certainly will. And new minimum rates for corporations will be passed along to all of us, not to mention inflation as a tax. Claim. In the midst of COVID crisis, when schools were closed, let's also recognize how far we've come. Truth. They were closed far too long because teachers' unions were allowed to dictate government policy. And Biden's response to the education crisis, not more charter schools, not a focus on the fundamentals, just more money. Claim. Public safety defends on public trust, but too often the trust is violated. Imagine what it's like to lose a child at the hands of the law. Truth. While Tyree Nichols is a tragedy, the number of people killed by law enforcement in any year is very small. And almost all of them are armed and in the process of committing a crime. Far more young black men die from gang shootings, something Biden did not mention. Claim. Since we launched our new border plan last month, unlawful migration from Cuba, Haiti, and Nicaragua, and Venezuela has come down 97%. Truth. That number is questionable because it just looked at one week after the new law. But crossings overall are at historically record highs. Today, claim we're in the strongest position in decades to compete with China or anyone else in the world, he says. No, I don't think so. Mr. Balloon Man. No, I don't think so. So this is why I didn't sit down and listen to this, but read the transcript and Mr. Producer pulled clips. We discussed it. And you heard what you heard, what I think you needed to hear. But I thought Sarah Huckabee Sanders was absolutely fantastic. I mean it. When I was doing Levin TV earlier today, this morning, or around noon to be exact, I said to our guys, that was the best reply I'd ever heard, or ever seen. Here's a little bit of it. Cut 21, go. I'll be the first to admit, President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, he's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state. And he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. That's just wonderful. Perfect. Cut 22, go. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. 
Upon taking office just a few weeks ago, I signed executive orders to ban CRT, racism, and indoctrination in our schools, eliminate the use of derogatory term Latinx in our government, repealed COVID orders, and said never again to authoritarian mandates and shutdowns. Americans want common sense from their leaders, but in Washington, the Biden administration is doubling down on crazy. President Biden inherited the fastest economic recovery on record, the most secure border in history, cheap, abundant, homegrown energy, fast rising wages, a rebuilt military, and a world that was stable and at peace. But over the last two years, Democrats destroyed it all. You see a calm voice, concise, intelligent, really hits home run after home run after home run. I'm serious. Her, Tim Scott, those were the two best I've ever heard. And this is the best I've ever heard. Then finally, cut 23. America is great because we are free. But today, our freedom is under attack. And the America we love is in danger. President Biden and the Democrats have failed you. And it's time for a change. A new generation of Republican leaders are stepping up, not to be caretakers of the status quo, but to be change makers for the American people. We know not what the future holds, but we know who holds the future in his hands. And with God as our witness, we will show the world that America is still the place where freedom reigns and liberty will never die. Beautiful. Now, I also suggested to you that the media would be slobbering all over Joe Biden. They are. MSLSD, the three gruesome commentators there, media analysts, CNN. Wolf Blitzer, I guess they woke him up for this. He was on the Constipated News Network yesterday. And uh, he said this is the best speech I've ever heard from Joe Biden. Now, keep in mind, real fact checkers, including us here, we've told you the man lies through his false teeth, and it's constant. But that's okay. Wolf Blitzer has no problem with that. He just thought it was the best. Cut 25. Go. You know, Caitlin, uh, I've heard uh, President Biden going back to his 36 years in the U.S. Senate deliver a lot of speeches over the years. I've covered him for many, many years. I've gotten to know him a bit. Uh, I think this was the best speech I have ever heard him deliver. He was passionate. It was extremely well written. He clearly had practiced it. uh, And he, he, he delivered a powerful message to the American people. There you go. A Biden voter and supporter dressed up as a journalist. They call him Wolf Blitzer, for God's sakes. Parents must have hated him. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned. 
why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service it kicks butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. By the way, Life, Liberty, and Levin will not be on Sunday. We're never on when the Super Bowl is on, just so you know. Why? Because everyone's watching the Super Bowl. Including me. Especially this year. You know who's in the Super Bowl this year, don't you, Mr. Producer? The Eagles and the Chiefs. You think the Eagles are going to win? Well, I want my... uh, my audience in Kansas City to understand. I was born in Philadelphia. Obviously, I'm an Eagles fan. And obviously, I'll be rooting for them. I'm glad you guys, the Chiefs, are there. But I will be rooting for my Eagles. It's not like we're there all the time. You guys are Kansas City. Don't blame me if you haven't won. That's not on me, right, Mr. Producer? The last few years, that's not on me. You look at your own ownership and all the rest of that. And I'm not cocky about this, although I do feel pretty good about it. The Eagles, if they have one of their big games and they take off, it's going to be very tough for the Chiefs. But if they screw around, if they don't protect the uh, center of the field, particularly from the run, then they're going to have a long day. But they have a very powerful defense. It was number two in the league It was only like 10 yards behind the 49ers, and you saw how that really didn't matter that much. And they have a very explosive offense. So we'll see. And we'll see if uh, Mahomes, if his ankle's okay, probably be okay by now, but those high ankle sprains are are brutal. Andy Reid, he's been around a long time. He used to coach my Eagles. Now he coaches, obviously, the Chiefs. Uh, The Philadelphia coach... There's never been in a game like this before, obviously. At one point, he was, uh, when uh, Reed came into Kansas City, he was an assistant coach. I think he was in charge of offense or something to that effect. And Reed dumped him. So uh, he's got something to settle there. Again, the Kansas City Chiefs, Mahomes in particular, uh, they have something to prove, uh, I think. And uh, the Jason Hurts is just... He's a cool cucumber, man. That's what he is. Now, Mitt Romney, uh, very bizarre. He felt it was his role to lecture George Santos that he shouldn't be in Congress, he shouldn't be at the State of the Union, and I thought that was ironic, given the fact that Romney treats Biden with respect, and Biden is a serial liar, a serial propagandist, a serial plagiarist. I mean, it's amazing, and he's President of the United States. But we know Mitt Romney's a fraud, a phony, and a fool. And I'm no special pleader for Santos. Cut 24, go. 
I didn't expect that he'd be standing there trying to shake hands with every senator in the President of the United States. It's, uh, given, it? given the fact that he's under ethics investigation, he should be sitting in the back row and staying quiet instead of uh, parading in front of the uh, president and, uh, and, and people coming into the room. Did he have a response to you? Did he respond? He says he, uh, you know, that he embellished his record. Look, embellishing is saying you got an A when you get an A minus. Lying is saying you, you graduated from college you didn't even attend. And, and he shouldn't be in Congress, and uh, they're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out. And uh, but he shouldn't be there. And, and uh, if he had any shame at all, he wouldn't be there. And what did you tell him? Point to say that though. I mean, it, you went, I mean, it was kind of out of your way to. Well, he was standing right there in the aisle, shaking hands with everybody. Did he respond to you? Uh, he, he may have. I didn't hear. Are you disappointed that Kevin McCarthy has not called on him to resign? Yes. What a jerk. I mean, honestly. What a complete jerk. I mean, you have members of Congress that are pure sleazeballs, and Romney knows it. Should Santos go? Sure, why? I don't care. But now he's trashing McCarthy, of course. But as I said, there in front of him, speaking of man, every line out of this Biden's mouth was a, was a deceit or a flat-out lie. And he had no problem with that. Embellishing your resume? How many times do we have to play the part? Can we even dig that up, Mr. Producer? Where Biden embellishes his resume. (laughs) We've played that over the years till we've worn it out. Maybe after the bottom of the hour. He embellished his resume. He said he did. Okay, then get out. But there's Biden and you've... You got more a uh, little dabble, do you, in your hair and uh, special tie on and you polished your shoes and there you are. You're in the House of Representatives to wash Biden, the serial liar. Because he embellished his resume, too, you know. And he tells story after story. I'll be right back. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service it kicks butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smart. Smarter wireless. Don't ask him for middle ground. There is no middle ground. Talk with Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. The numbers for the State of the Union cratered from last year. Cratered. Uh, Fox had the largest viewership, followed by ABC. I told you I didn't watch. I discouraged you from watching. In fact, I encouraged you to do something else. Which you did. And that's good. Um, 
ABC came in second with 4.4 million. I mean, we're talking about really small numbers. So it'll be closer to around 29 million total. I remember the days when there were 40, 42 million. Uh, significant dip in the number of viewers overall. Um, so when you add the networks with cable, you'll probably get to 29 million. I'm just looking at this. So it was a bomb in so many ways. I want you to hear again what Romney had to say. Mr. Producer, cut 24, go. I didn't expect that he'd be standing there trying to shake hands with every senator in the President of the United States. Given the fact that he's under ethics investigation, he should be sitting in the back row and staying quiet instead of uh, parading in front of the uh, president. And uh, By the way, I believe Biden's under investigation, isn't he, Mr. Producer? For his, for his classified documents. Go ahead. Look, look, Did he respond? He says he, says he uh, you know, that he embellished his record. Look, embellishing is saying you got an A when you get an A minus. Lying is saying you, you graduated from a college you didn't even attend. So and, Richard and Blumenthal, Connecticut, Denang Dick, remember him? Trump's like, Denang Dick said he had combat in Vietnam and he didn't. And Romney never spoke about that. Hat tip, Julie Levin. Go ahead. Uh, they're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out. And uh, But he shouldn't be there. And, and uh, if he had any shame at all, he wouldn't be there. And what did you tell him? I to say that, though. I mean, it, you went, I mean, it was kind of out of your way to... to well, he was standing right there in the aisle, shaking hands with everybody. Did he respond to you? Uh, he, he may have. I didn't hear. Are you disappointed that Kevin McCarthy has not called on him to resign? Yes. Unbelievable. Well, we thought we'd go down memory lane since we created it years ago, causing several years back Joe Biden to say to me on an Amtrak train as we were going to New York, my wife and I, and he and Dr. Jill had come on the train and I came up to him and he said, you're a smart ass. That's what he said. At least I'm a smart ass. He's a dumbass. You know, there's a, there is a difference, you know. And I say that with all due respect. Now, I just want to remind Mitt Romney, who is apparently the enforcer of morality now on the floor of the Congress, about the president being disrespected and why he hasn't called on Biden to resign. Here's our montage. Go. I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home. I was going to put him in uh, foot. Excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping traveling with them. I've written extensively as a when I was a law professor. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship. The only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. I was appointed to the academy in 1965. I didn't come to the academy because I wanted to be a football star. And you had a guy named Starback and Bellino here. So I went to Delaware. I got started out of an HBCU, Delaware State. Now, I don't want to hear anything negative about Delaware State here, okay? They're, they're, they're my folks. I went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits. Only need 123 credits. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like. I am a hard coal miner, anthracite coal, Scranton, Pennsylvania. My dad was not a 
was he was a salesperson. He wasn't a coal miner. My great grandpa was. My first job offer where I wanted my wife, deceased wife and I wanted to move to Idaho because we think not a joke. It's such a beautiful, beautiful state. And I interviewed for a job with Boise Cascade. I got a commercial license because my dad used to run an automobile agency. I used to drive a tractor trailer. Oh, awesome. And so I know a little bit about driving big trucks. It means that I've worked in the east side. I deliberately went and worked for three years to make sure I was the only guy, only white guy that worked in the east side. Because, you know, I wanted to understand. I was involved in the civil rights movement, but what I wanted. What did you want to understand? What I want to understand. I didn't realize, for example, as the only lifeguard in the project. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, "Hey, Esther, you off the board? Or I'll come up and drag you off." He said, "I'll be waiting for you." He was waiting for three guys in straight razors. Not a joke. I used to be a lifeguard. For years. And when I ran for the United States Senate, they said, well, why, why do you want a 29-year-old guy who's only been a lifeguard? Well, the truth was, I was a practicing lawyer. I've been a public defender, and I had my own small law firm. The first frost, you know what was happening? You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. You know how much it costs to make that insulin drug for diabetes? Cost. It was invented by a man who did not patent it because he wanted it available for everyone. I spoke to him, okay? You better have helicopters ready to take those 3,000 civilians inside the green zone where I've been seven times and shot at. Think of Iraq because that's where my son died. Uncle Frank fought in the Battle of the Bulge and he won the Purple Heart. And he never received it. So he got him the Purple Heart. He had won it in the Battle of the Bulge. And I remember he came over to the house, and I came out, and he said, present it to him. Okay, we had the family there. I watched what happened when the kids from Parkland marched up to, and I, 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 I met with them, and then they went off to up on the hill when I was vice president, and they went off the hill to go into those neighborhoods. All those congressmen were like, no, I'm not here. I'm not here. I, I don't, don't, don't tell them I'm around. God's truth, I've traveled over a million, 250,000 miles on that track. And one of the conductors I know for years walked up and grabbed, said, Joey, baby, grabbed my cheek. Not a joke. (laughs) This day, 30 years ago, Nelson Mandela walked out of prison and entered into discussions about apartheid. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. Swear to God, true story. Swear to God, true story. True story. They think I'm kidding, man. All lies. Every damn bit of it. And Romney is lecturing some backbencher nobody who shouldn't be there, you see. If he had any shame, he would resign. And Kevin McCarthy would tell him to resign. Because Romney doesn't want Santos dirtying up this, this holy occasion where Joe Biden gets up there and spews even more lies. There's not a Republican on the face of the earth who could get away with this. There's story after story about this guy, Santos. I care about Santos. I don't even like the guy. But that's beside the point. He's not president of the United States. So if the standard for one of 435 House members is as Romney states, then how can the standard for the one president of the United States be non-existent? Because Romney's a phony, fake, and a fraud, too. 
it's not popular among the media to condemn Biden the way that he condemns Santos. That's it. It's that easy. It's that simple. And Romney's a clown. Very much so. Now, what about Adam Schiff and all the lies he told about Russia collusion? Shouldn't he step down? What about the January 6th committee as we've come to learn? We knew it, but as we've come to learn with real evidence from the former top staffer that covered up the fact that Pelosi and I would argue McConnell and others didn't do their jobs. And by the way, just so you know, Christopher Miller, the former acting U.S. Secretary of Defense under Trump near the final months of his presidency, who had to deal with these people, Pelosi, McConnell, and Schumer. He will be on the program in about 30 minutes. He has a new book out. His publicist didn't contact us. We contacted him. Remember yesterday? I said, let's get this gentleman on the show. Because he has a story to tell that isn't being told. It's not getting the, you know, they're not going to invite him on the 60 Minutes. They're not going to invite him on any of the big Sunday shows. So let him come on my show. Where 14 and a half million people might be interested in what he has to say. By the way, hat tip Rabian for that particular montage that we were able to find. And I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smart. Smarter Wireless. Ever hear Victoria White? Well, over at Epic Times, one of the great sites they have. Victoria White, the Minnesota woman shown on security video being repeatedly beaten by police in the Lower West Terrace Tunnel at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021 has rejected a plea offer from federal prosecutors after she met with several members of the GOP-controlled House of Representatives. U.S. District Judge John Bates has a plea hearing scheduled for 11.30 a.m. February 10th in the federal courthouse in Washington. While things are changing, White told the Epic Times in a text message, asked if she was going to decline the plea offer, she said yes. Honestly, never wanted to take it in the first place. White was among a group of people who attended the January 6th Capitol event, protest, 
who met with congressional representatives at the Capitol on February 6 and 7. She said the group sat down with Representative Lauren Boebert about investigating January 6th and the murders of January 6th, mistreatment, lack of actual fair trial, the political prisoners, the weaponizing of the feds against us, etc. We also spoke with Representative Byron Donalds. The January 6th group included Ashley Babbitt's mother, Mickey Whithoff, Nicole Reffitt, wife of Guy Reffitt, the first January 6th defendant found guilty at trial, David Valentine, founder of the Freedom Express Media, which broadcasts nightly vigils outside the District of Columbia jail, and several others with ties to January 6th, White said. On February 7, White posted on Twitter, I will not be taking a plea deal. She was hit repeatedly with a baton in that tunnel. Repeatedly. The first blow came to me by a metal baton, White recounted in a 2022 Epic Times documentary. It was really bad. I remember just trying to keep myself up because I was scared I would be trampled. Originally, I thought I just got hit like three times on the head, but it wasn't until I saw the video that I realized how bad it was in the tunnel. Before it was over, White was struck nearly 40 times. Most of the blows delivered by MPD Commander Jason Bagshaw, White was struck directly in the skull, repeatedly punched in the face and head, grabbed by the hair, spun around violently, and tossed back and forth between officers. Notice how little attention this gets. Bagshaw wasn't disciplined or charged for the beating. The Metropolitan Police Department deemed all of its use of force on January 6th as, quote, objectively reasonable, unquote. New body cam footage released in January as part of the Richard Bigo Barnett trial shows White being spun around in the tunnel, tossed like a rag doll between the officers. Just before she was let out the back of the tunnel, the footage shows her jeans were pulled partway down. Use of force expert Stan Kephart, who also appeared in the Epic Times documentary, said the attack on White was deadly force. The head is a sphere, he says. What happens when you strike a spherical object with a blunt object, at least resistance, it glances off the head. It's a possibility. The second thing is you can hit them flush and kill them. If your intent was to kill them, you should have been using a firearm, not a baton. So it fails tactically to use a baton to attempt to use it as a disabling force option. And he believes White grabbing a police shield and reaching at officers was clearly from a defensive position, not an attack position. So they were going to try and get her to plea because, you know, the FBI has thrown vast amounts of its resources, as have the uh, prosecutors under Merrick Garland, against women like this. And she said, no, I'm not. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. In about 10 minutes... Christopher Miller will be here, former acting United States Secretary of Defense under President Trump during January 6th. 
There's a lot to say about what took place. The media are basically censoring his book. They're ignoring it. I will not. Uh, And we want to talk about what's in it. Uh, Soldier secretary warnings from the battlefield and the Pentagon about America's most dangerous enemies. Now, he was also a former Special Forces commander, a proud Green Beret. Uh, first of his generation, the generation that fought uh, the nation's enemy face-to-face in the streets of Baghdad, the mountains of Afghanistan. And uh, prior to his appointment, the Senate unanimously confirmed him on August 6, 2020, to be director of the National Counterterrorism Center, uh, where he was responsible for defending us from terrorist attacks. He was also the, uh, the acting secretary when President Trump requested uh, National Guardsmen, uh, or authorized it, and uh, that didn't happen. He was the man who was called by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and McConnell, and he said they were hysterical. Um, And he was really quite appalled by them and their behavior, given the way they thought about the National Guard previous to January 6th and the way they thought about cops previous to January 6th, so we're going to get him on the program, excuse me, in about 10 minutes. Kevin McCarthy to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, of course you realize this means war over at Hot Air. And the author writes, Beige Wellborn, oh my gosh, I'm enjoying Kevin McCarthy's short rule of speakers so much. More than I ever thought I would. He's been the best, most delightful surprise so far, and I'm praying he keeps it up. This latest stand of his is a perfect example. To be fair, McCarthy was warning the chamber that they were in his black books long before his agonizing marathon election, a speaker took place. And what exactly did the chamber, long considered to be almost an arm of the Republican Party, do to so antagonize the incoming House leadership? It stems from an August 2020 decision by the chamber, once seen as a functional campaign appendage of the Republican Party, to endorse 23 Democrat freshmen for re-election in 2020, 15 of whom won, putting the speakership out of the reach of the Republicans. It appears to have permanently soured the relationship. Other Republicans have criticized what they see as a progressive turn by the so-called business-friendly group, and we've talked about this for several years, as a matter of fact. You see the U.S. Chamber endorsing a lot of these Democrats who voted for all this anti-business policy, said Steve Scalise. I'm a pro-business guy. I thought you all used to represent small business across America, Scalise said. Unfortunately, they kind of veered away from it. We're trying to get them to come back to their roots. That's not the way to make friends and keep your influence over people, folks. Of course, they're awfully cozy with Mitch McConnell. So perhaps that's where they got confused that endorsing Democrats being pro-immigration and woke were the in things to be. Well, maybe with McConnell, but not with McCarthy. The chamber was confident enough this fall to blow McCarthy off, even to the point of having their media toadies carry water for them in a PR battle. The business lobby doesn't need Kevin McCarthy, they put out. The probable next Speaker of the House is openly feuding with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, but it has other allies in Congress. So they didn't want McCarthy as Speaker either. Part of the problem is the Chamber hasn't kept up with current events and the dynamic shift in especially the House GOP where they are laser-focused 
The House GOP's outreach and appeal are more homegrown pizza parlor chain than the Sheldon White House Country Club set, making the Republican Party a much bigger tent than it used to be. The rift comes as Republicans, starting with the Tea Party movement, more than a decade ago, and then under former President Trump, have taken a more populist, less corporate-friendly tack, appealing to working-class voters, oftentimes at the expense of policy positions, preferred by old-school country club rhinos, I would say. But the chambers badly misjudged McCarthy and Scalise's resolve. Their own missteps and the animus has not subsided with the passing of the election. The settling of the speakership as perhaps the chamber thought would happen. This is not your Uncle John Boehner's kindly Congress. And the two Republican House leaders aren't playing, period. Speaker of the House McCarthy and House Leader Scalise both have refused to meet with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce due to the organization's endorsement of Democrats. In a statement to CNBC on Monday, Mark Bendar, a chief spokesman for McCarthy, said the priorities of the organization's no longer align with the Republican Party. He said the priorities of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce have not aligned with the priorities of the House Republicans or the interests of their own members. And they should not expect a meeting with Speaker McCarthy as long as that's the case. Laura Fine, the spokeswoman for Steve Scalise, reiterated the same sentiment. She said Washington has radically shifted away from the pro-business philosophy of most local chambers across America Lest the chamber get back to their traditional pro-business roots, they should not expect to have any engagement with Majority Leader Scalise's office. Well, there you have it. She says, man, I love the cut of McCarthy's jib, so dang unexpected. Keep it going. And I agree with that. Keep it going. So you have that. And that's a good thing that they're telling the chamber to stick it because, you know, most big labor, not all, but most big labor, they're 100% behind the Democrats, the teachers' unions and so forth. Not the police unions, not the firefighter unions. You know what I'm talking about, the paper pushers. And uh, nothing like this happens. So when you have the so-called business representatives in Washington, D.C., okay, you want more taxes? You want to shut down oil? More private property taken out of production? More regulations, more taxes, more EPA, and more of the rest of it? Good. They helped keep Nancy Pelosi in power for two more years, where she did enormous damage to the country. The Chamber of Commerce is not a Chamber of Commerce. It's a Chamber of Bureaucrats and Lobbyists that do not represent their members as they pretend to. So it's a good thing. One more slobbering moment that I missed here. Mika Brzezinski. Chip off the old block. Zvinu. But Joe Scarborough. God, did he turn into a complete slimeball? Did he not, Mr. Producer? Uh, I'm embarrassed by my former party. You're an embarrassment, you jerk. See, they figured out when they were doing Sacco and Vanceni on the radio, it wasn't working. He was sort of a moderate rhino Republican, and she was a radical leftist, as she's always been. Uh, and they would have these phony debates, and they absolutely failed on radio. So they left or were pushed out. 
So if you fell on radio and you can't get hired by Fox and you can't get hired by, you know, real platforms, where do you go? You go to MSNBC. And they fit in beautifully there. Two failures with no audience. Cut 26, go. Hello? Let's just talk about Joe Biden. Wasn't he great last night? And he was his authentic self. You know, he did talk about our accomplishments, 12 million jobs. And actually, 12 million jobs, the work of the private sector as well. Mm-hmm. But oh, a, a presidency that oh, enabled yeah, yeah. that to happen. Uh, 12 million jobs, uh, issues that relate to science and chips and how we go right. into the future. I thought it was, uh, you know, if, if they put the objective, they would have to say, this is... A good it really was a great, approach. great, um, everything, you know, everything really came together for him. Um, it was a great speech. He was enjoying himself. There you go, the media. By the way, did she have a stroke or something, Mr. Benicia? I'm not wishing it, obviously. But something has happened there to her ability to speak. It's worse than normal. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Christopher Miller is the former acting United States Secretary of Defense under President Trump. He's written a fantastic book, Soldier Secretary, Warnings from the Battlefield and the Pentagon about America's Most Dangerous Enemies. You can get it on Amazon.com, any major bookstore, or if you go to any of my social platforms, we have it linked there to Amazon. I encourage you to get it. How are you, sir? We've never spoken before. Mark, you're going to get me in trouble. Your required reads, you got me in the top. Mike Pompeo is going to just beat the heck out of me the next time I see him. But Good. more importantly, Stephen Smith should have been at the top. And I kind of think of you as the Stephen Smith <laughs> of talk radio for politics. So, hey, I really appreciate you doing that. But uh, on a serious note, I want to thank you for everything you've done for members of our armed forces, their families, veterans' families, and this Gold Star families. And I know you want to keep that kind of kind of on the down low, but, man, uh, thanks for doing all that. That's Americans taking care of Americans, and I appreciate it. Well, God bless you, sir. And thank you for everything you've done, including this outstanding book. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Were you in the meeting January 3rd or January 4th with Kash Patel and others in which President Trump offered or authorized uh, National Guardsmen to protect uh, the Capitol? Yeah, I was there. And that's been totally that's been totally misinterpreted by so many uh, politically motivated, uh, quote unquote, news outlets and politicians. Yeah, we were there. President was quite clear. He said, provide whatever support you need to the uh, doggone, uh, you know, federal and local officials to protect uh, protesters and demonstrators that day. Yeah, I was with Cash. Did he mention the National Guard, as Cash has said and others have said? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all that's all in the up and up. Uh, you know, the National Guard is, as you know, but a lot of your listeners, you know, learning about this. Uh, the National Guard, he controls the National Guard in the District of Columbia because it's not a state. Normally, the governor does. But since there's no governor, uh, the president does. He delegated that authority to me. And I was uh, so I was in charge of the National Guard. Uh, for that for that episode and for those events so yep uh, cash was there and president and he you know he also called me uh, i think on the fifth 
and uh, talked about it. So, yeah, he, he was very clear about, you know, provide whatever support you need and gave me the authorization to, to provide, uh, you know, whatever that was requested. Wouldn't it be strange to be authorized and whatever assistance was needed to protect the building and the people and including the National Guard and then to encourage an insurrection? Don't you think that would be weird? Well, Mark, you're a lawyer. Uh, you know as well as I do. Uh, Capitol Hill is controlled by the legislative branch, and uh, the military is in the executive branch, works for the president. And uh, if you go up on Capitol Hill with military force without an invite from leadership there, we know what that's called. That's called a military coup. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, wasn't going to be party of that. And the president, uh, absolutely, in no way, shape, or form ever in the even implied that the military would be used inappropriately. So, yeah, I think there's that's kind of why I wrote the book, man. I was like, the rest of the story needs to be told. I got really upset because, you know, we, we swear our, our, the great people that serve our country in the armed forces, they, they're sworn to uphold and protect and defend the Constitution. And to have these politicians and stuff imply that they would violate their oath of office is just uh, reprehensible to me. Now, uh, you got a call, or you were on the call, with Nancy Pelosi and, I guess, Schumer, and at some point, McConnell, uh, in which they were freaking out and making demands and so forth. Can you describe that? Uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. There actually were three calls, and you know there's that 1-6 uh, Travis, or the hearings they had up there. The final one, they kind of did this mashup of all these videos, and none of us knew Pelosi's daughter was filming. I don't. I think a lot of the people on the Hill didn't either. Um, and so when they show that, they show a call where Schumer and Pelosi are talking to me. It's a really, really short segment. I don't think we talk three times. I think they're showing the second call. The first call is what I talk about at the beginning of my book where they were they were really, you know, obviously, I mean, they've been attacked. I got all that. So I'm empathetic to the fear. I've been there. I know that. But uh the the call that they show in the on on TV on that hearing thing is not I don't think that's the one that I refer to in the book. I'd like has hey, I got a question for you, Mark. Has anybody mm-hmm. seen the entire uh, Pelosi, uh, the daughter? Have has anybody seen the entire video, like no. unedited? No. Why? So no. I so I'm kind of holding. But tell, but tell me, one of these tell me about. It. Tell us about that first call. Describe what you have in the book. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it, I, I, I was getting yelled at by. Um, by Speaker Pelosi. Uh, McConnell was on there, too. Uh, they were at a secure location. They, they had moved from the Capitol to uh, a military installation nearby. I didn't know that at the time. I knew they'd moved, but I they left their troops behind. I mean, everybody else was in the Senate, in the House chambers, you know, getting moved out. But a whole bunch of them had moved to this uh, alternate location. And uh, so they were just demanding you know, immediately National Guard support and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, I describe it as unhinged. It was, uh, I'd been in the military. I'd been in combat, right? I was a Green Beret. And, you know, my my thing is when things are bad, you got to calm down. And I understand they've never been anything that bad, but it was really kind of, it was they weren't speaking rationally. It was, it was real dramatic and uh, 
you know, we promised we were moving as fast as we could, which we were. The military was. But, you know, it's interesting. It wasn't long before, a couple of months before, maybe the summer before, when when uh, federal law enforcement was trying to protect the Portland courthouse under attack every damn night. And I mean physically under attack, the police under attack, where she referred to to federal authority as uh, stormtroopers. And you mentioned that in your book, too. Yeah, right. I think thanks for, you know, the history matters, Mark. You know that. And uh, we've kind of lost a lot of the politicians have forgotten a lot of that. And uh, so thanks for reminding everybody of that, because it's important. And, you know, the 7th of January, right. I, I remember I read something or something was on the news where Pelosi kind of started implying that the military and the armed forces and the Pentagon was complicit in the in not responding fast enough. And as we know, we've had all sorts of investigations that's been completely refuted. But, you know, as soon as I saw that, that that was just so disheartening, you know, as, as a as a as an American where uh, and we talk about politicization of the armed forces. And that was just another example. They love the troops until they don't. And that kind of to me really broke that was a straw that broke the candles camels back for me with, with dealing with those people when we come back former assistant uh, former secretary of defense i apologize chris miller um i want to know about your relationship with millie if you might the book is a great book folks you might want to grab it i encourage you to do it soldier secretary warnings from the battlefield and the pentagon about america's most dangerous enemies you're going to learn a lot about January 6th, uh, the Secretary's dealings with the President and the Pentagon and Capitol Hill. You can get it on Amazon.com right now. It's a great price. Or if you're on any of my social media platforms, grab a copy. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. So lately, I've been on a mission to change the way people view their finances and to encourage people to overcome obstacles and adversity. It's just more and more important to me every day. So I've teamed up with the folks at Life Surge. Life Surge is a one-day faith-based event where you'll walk in hungry for success and you'll leave ready to build your resources to leave an impact on others. We're talking faith-fueled finance, growing resources, crushing obstacles, and then, yeah, using it all for something way bigger than yourself. I'll be joining Life Surge in Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Joining me in Cincinnati is Nick Vujicic, the man with no arms or legs that speaks about his trials and triumphs. Soul surfer and author Bethany Hamilton, Duck Dynasty's Willie Robertson, and author and pastor Craig Groeschel, star of CNBC's The Prophet, Marcus Lemonis, and Bethel Music. 
That's Life Surge Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Tickets are on sale exclusively at lifesurge.com. I hope to see you there. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. It's a great book, folks, by Christopher Miller, the former acting United States Secretary of Defense under President Trump. Soldier Secretary, warnings from the battlefield in the Pentagon about America's most dangerous enemies. Soldier Secretary. You can get it at Amazon.com right now. They'll deliver it to you tomorrow. Go to any of my social sites. Mark Levin Show Twitter. Uh, face. What, what is it? We got Getter. We've got Parlor. We've got Truth Social. The whole world out there, folks. It's easy to grab a copy. He's President Trump's last Secretary of Defense. And he shares his uh, stories about his combat missions in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, he's got a seat, a seat at the table where he's watching what happens on January 6th and the final days of the Trump administration. And uh, his grave concern for the readiness of the United States military. Milley, I mean, you weren't there that long, but what was your sense of uh, General Milley? Oh, I knew, Mark, I knew Milley from General Milley, uh, you know, from previous, I've been in the Army, I enlisted in 1983 as a private, left as a colonel in 2014, so I uh, did some rotations, never worked directly for him, but I was mm-hmm. very familiar with him, uh, you know, and then to end up there working with him, he's the chairman in the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he was my right-hand man, and, uh, you know, I'd been raised to really respect the general officers and then to be exposed to kind of uh, the stuff that they do and how they politicize things uh, was really disheartening. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, you know, the doggone, uh, I was raised with accountability mattered. You were responsible for everything that did or didn't happen in your command. And then I saw their behavior uh, and how they kind of disregarded the direction of the president and civilian officials. And uh, that's not the way it's supposed to work at all and uh really concerning and i you know thanks for asking the question because it's these are the things we need to talk about you know we don't the chinese spy balloon is great but the real issue is what kind of advice did uh the chairman give and his best military advice and and how did that work and did the field commander get to talk about this these are the things that really concern me that are kind of a little opaque i know to a lot of the american public but that's why i wrote the book were you amazed to learn that Milley was talking to his counterpart in uh, Communist China and never told the commander-in-chief? Flabbergasted. That's that Woodward book, right? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, after January 6th, uh, I did authorize the chairman to call his counterpart in China and tell him not to mess with us because if they if they were watching TV and they thought that they could steal a march on us or slip an attack in on us, that that was wrong, and that's what he did. Now, the other conversation he had was uh, before I got there where he I, the Peril book, I think it's Peril, I can't remember, with Woodward, where yeah. he says that uh, Milley... Yeah, that's the one you're talking about. If that, if that actually happened, I want to hear from I want to hear from General Milley. Why, Mark, why hasn't there been any congressional inquiries on this? I mean, that's the kind it's of stuff. Good question. He actually said that that's true. I mean, Mark, that's treasonous, right? If he yeah. actually yeah. said that, we need to hear from him. We need to hear from him. That's I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he wouldn't do anything like that. But you're right. We need to hear from him under oath. He needs to testify because this goes to chain of command. It goes to whether we're going to have civilian leadership or not. You can't just bypass the commander in chief and say, well, I have the authority to do pretty much what I want to do. 
And a lot of people are concerned about that, and then they see the debacle. And you were in Afghanistan. What do you think about that surrender yeah. in Afghanistan? Boy, it still hurts. You know, it's still raw. And, you know, I, I hold I hold those people responsible. We had the chairman and the, the commander uh, of the region uh, I don't know what advice they gave the president, uh, but that was a debacle, Mark. And, you know, hey, w- w- let's recognize the courage and the valor of the poor kids that had to go out there and execute that flawed mission. Like, that. we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that they were putting we're, they were put in that situation that was untenable, that resulted in the deaths of 13 Americans. That was and, and why haven't we? Why haven't we had an uh, inquiry on that? Mm-hmm. How come people haven't had to talk and to justify that? People should be held accountable. That's the way mm-hmm. I was raised, and that's what really bugs me about what's going on right now. How did you get along with President Trump? Uh, Mark, I'll tell you what, didn't know the guy from Adam. Read, read about him, heard all the press that he was, you know, a lunatic and went in there to my first meeting uh, expecting uh, this, you know, the portrayal that from the press and uh, found him uh, a magnanimous gentleman. I found him uh, really switched on for national security and foreign policy, asked great questions. Here's the thing. Like, he was non-traditional. He's a business person. And he wouldn't speak in, like, you know, the Ph.D. language that, you know, a lot of the foreign policy and national security people expect but he he was a businessman and he asked supremely good questions and mark here's the thing when you got done he would always ask for everybody's opinion he'd take it on board he'd ask questions and then the last thing he would do before he made a decision he would go to every person in the room and ask for what they what we recommended you had to get you got to say your piece and then he'd make the decision and i'll tell you what Every decision he made was strategically sound, was moral, ethically correct, and I thought in the best interest of America. And I've got—I was really, really surprised to tell you the truth uh, and gratified. You know, when I've met with him, you can tell he has a seriously high IQ, and he is very, very yeah. focused on a lot of stuff. And uh, I just think these constant attacks against him have resulted in him—you know—he has to fight back for his very survival. And uh, that's what the media focus on. They know he's smart and they know he's made some tremendously wise decisions and he thinks outside the box. You know, he's not your I'll say it. He's not your George Bush or your Mitt Romney or that sort of thing. And I think this offended them a lot. But uh, but your conclusion is about the same as mine. Now, I didn't deal with him on a regular basis, but whenever I've talked to him about certain things, he really thinks about them a lot, doesn't he? That's you just. I, I was surprised. I I absolutely was because I'd I'd heard that drumbeat in the media about you know about him and then to see him in action and I say that in the book after the Baghdadi raid where our commanders conducted one of the greatest commando operations raids in probably American military history and the president authorized it hugely daring could have gone horribly wrong but he said go do it. And that was the first time I actually saw him doing his commander-in-chief duties, not, you know, photo ops or speeches and stuff like that. And I left that, I left that evening and walked to my car uh, out of that White House compound, and I was like, that's exactly the kind of commander-in-chief I'd want if I was out in the field. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think, I think it's just been horribly mischaracterized 
or uh, about his national security. And I, I know I'm talking too Mark, much, Mark, but you really got me going. Mm-hmm. Just think of uh, anybody else would have a, a doggone doctrine named after him. The Trump doctrine was very clear, and he performed superbly. Abraham Accords defeated ISIS. Uh, totally changed the calculus with China, established the Space Force. I can go on and on. Gets no credit, just kind of gets laughed at. And I think it's a discredit to uh, the men and women that, you know, sacrifice daily to get the job done. And I thought he did a great job. The book is Soldier Secretary. You're listening to him right here, Christopher Miller, who was former acting U.S. Secretary of Defense under Donald Trump, and a lot more than that, actually. Soldier Secretary, warnings from the battlefield and the Pentagon about America's most dangerous enemies. This is the book the media do not want you to read. And you know what else he's told me? And I'd be curious to know uh, your take on this, Mr. Secretary. He told me he got along better with with the generals in the field than the generals in Washington. Does that make sense? Boys. Boys. When you go out to the field, all the politics just you know disappear and you know you you've been out there you can't help but be proud of the the men and women who volunteer to serve and when you're out there away from dc and all the games that are played you realize what's important so of course that makes total sense and the president was magnificent out there with the troops and with the with the with the field soldiers mm-hmm. and then let me ask you this in a few minutes we have left Are you concerned as I am? We are not providing the resources, the support for our military that's needed considering what China's up to, this woke stuff, and the fact that we're not spending the kind of resources we need to spend. The communist China is preparing for war, and we are not prepared to defend ourselves. Well, Mark, you know, I know you're a Reagan-era rock-ribbed Republican, and I, I, I am too. You know, I was, I was a little bit young then, but of course I saw, you know, what happens when we support the military. I got to tell you, though, I think we're preparing for the wrong war. We're refighting the Cold War. And I think we need to be smarter about our defense spending. I think we spend way too much. I think I think we we need to think about our operational concepts. Like let's just use an example. We we have these we have ten to twelve aircraft carriers. That's not what we need. We need massive, you know, unmanned aerial vehicles and unmanned seaborne vehicles and undersea vehicles. That's what the Chinese are doing. So I think they're kind of setting us up. I think we need to think that's that's my point. We need to come home, we need to reset, we need to get ready for this next this next fight and i think we're our generals right now and frankly a lot in congress are just more than happy to go forward with more more spending more spending isn't better better spending is better so i came up with that, that who's gonna do sticker. it i got i got it who's who do we have to do it that's the problem I'll who's going to be in charge of such a thing those young people are ready. They know it. And then they, that's the problem with, I think right now is this break of faith between we see the generals and all preaching one thing more is better. And we see the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, guardians down there. They're like, no, this isn't what we should be doing. We need to be doing cyber. We need to be doing information operations. We need to do uncrewed vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm really positive about the next generation coming up, but we got to kind of, Luff off the old think that that's kind of mm-hmm. bogging it down right now. That's my thoughts. They don't brainwash them all with this woke crap, you know. Well, Christopher hey, Miller, Mark. I want to thank you for your service. I mean, your service throughout your career. 
I want to thank you for supporting the president when he needed support rather than people stabbing him in the back. And uh, this is a fantastic book, America. Soldier Secretary, Warnings from the Battlefield and the Pentagon about America's Most Dangerous Enemies. Soldier Secretary. That's Christopher Miller, who you've been hearing. You can get this book on Amazon.com right now. Any of my social sites, we're linking to it as well. I want to strongly encourage you to look at it, to get a copy, because he's telling you things that actually happened. It's not Bob Woodward. It's not General Kelly. It's not Mad Dog. It's none of that stuff. This is the real deal. No axe to grind. What he saw and what he worked with during the final months of the Trump administration. Christopher Miller, we may want to have you back. I want to thank you, my friend. Mark, anytime, thank you again for what you're doing for uh, the families and of our armed forces and our members and the veterans and the Gold Star families. I owe you huge, and anytime, uh, appreciate you taking this on, and, and, and uh, this is really important stuff, so thank you, sir. And God bless you, my friend. You take care of yourself. It's a great book, folks. Amazon.com, Soldier Secretary. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All over the world, our enemies are on the move. And in our own country, same thing. Things are tough between rising prices, election issues, a $34 trillion debt. But folks, there is good news. If you're smart, you can use these problems to your advantage. By making the right choices right now, you can keep your retirement money safe and even make more money in this climate. That's where Advantage Gold comes in. They're experts in helping Americans protect their savings with gold and silver. It's called diversification. Call Advantage Gold today, 800 They'll send you a free 2024 gold and silver kit that tells you how to keep your money safe when things are bad. Tell them I sent you, and you may qualify for a special Mark Levin discount worth up to $1,300. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. See if you qualify for that special discount worth up to $1,300. That's 800-900-8000. Performance may vary. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professionals. My friends, our world is connected more than ever. Now, what does that mean? It means that we're affected by things happening on the other side of the world, like wars, like pestilence, and of course, in our own country, the turmoil. Now, this can all mean danger to our economy, but smart investors are using this as an opportunity to buy gold. Gold is at an all-time high, and I believe it's going to go higher. That's why I want you to call my friends at Advantage Gold. They're a five-star company that I personally trust with my gold purchases. Call them today at 800-900-8000 for a 100% free gold investment guide to show you how you could use gold and silver to help turn global chaos into financial opportunity. That's 800-900-8000. Plus, tell them I sent you, and they'll give you a special Mark Levin discount worth up to $1,300 if you qualify. Call Advantage Gold today, 800-900-8000. Tell them Mark Levin sent you. Performance may vary. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professionals. I don't much read the comments on the Internet anymore when I post things, links and so forth. But I want to try this again. If you're running for the Republican nomination for president of the United States. And you have good ideas. And you have a good record. Then stick to the substance. 
Because that's what conservatives want. That's what constitutional conservatives want. We don't want mud fights. We don't need personal attacks. There are a lot of good people out there, some of whom think they can be president and can't. Some of whom think they can be president, maybe they can. And some of whom think they can be president, and maybe they will be. Let them battle on their records, let them battle on their positions. But the personal attacks, my friendly advice to all the candidates, they're turning people off. So you might win the Republican primary, but you won't win the general election. We must defeat Biden. We must defeat the party. We must push back against this Marxism that is destroying every aspect of our society and culture. We cannot afford to lose. We must win both houses of Congress. We must win the presidency. It is the only way right now in the immediate future that we can begin the process of pushing back. Don't blow it with the cheap shots. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker brothers and sisters, the men and women in Ukraine and Taiwan. God bless you. And God bless each and every one of you. See you tomorrow.